Now, I tease her a lot, but we really, really, we love her. Well, I'm, I'm uh, kicking off a brand new series today called This Is Home. I'm gonna kick it off with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, and thank you for your spirit that we already feel. And for those who came here, this is a holiday weekend, and I thank you, Lord, for everybody that's here today. And there are obviously things that we could be doing, but, Lord, we've decided to honor you today. Bless us in this new series and speak to us today. In Christ's name, and everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, welcome home. Our uh, story, that's what we're talking about. As we're talking about this new series, Welcome Home, what we're talking about is we're going to share a little bit of our story, how we got started today, and throughout the next few weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about how, you know, some of the things that we've been through over the past few years as we've been a church for 18 years. Um, We're going to tell a little bit about our story, our mission, our passion, and what makes us so unique. Why did you choose to go to Faith Code Church? There are many options. There are about 150, 160 other options in Pottawatomie County of where you could go to church. What makes us so unique and why Faith Code Church? We're going to talk a little bit about that and how we're a part of the body of Christ. But uh, as we begin, I want to discuss our mission. Our mission what we do at Faith Co. Church is we're all about Matthew 29, 18, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we've decided if you could put that into one sentence, it would be to teach people to love God, connect with others, and reach the world. Say that with me. Love God, connect with others, and reach the world. One more time. Love God, connect with others, and reach the world. That's our mission. Well, we actually, the idea of starting a church began with us about 24 years ago. That's when it started. We didn't launch till uh, 2000, year 2000. We're officially 18 years old. But the idea of starting a church began about 24 years ago. And 24, 25 years ago, as we began thinking about starting a church, there were no models. There was nothing like this. Right now, if you didn't go to Faith Co. Church, there are a lot of options that are like Faith Co. Church. There's several options just down the road or in other counties or whatever. There are a lot of churches that feel a little bit more like this. I personally think that we've got the best church in the world. But of course, I'm the pastor, and I'm going to say that and think that. But there are churches that have this kind of feel. But in the 80s, in the 90s, there was no options, and there were no models. We as, as, like I said, as we began this, I had to sit down and I was breaking new ground in this. But it was going from a, a point of, you know, if, if, if I were stepping back and thinking, what kind of church do I want? This would be more like something I would do. And I can tell you, in those first five years as we began to do this, I can tell you I can write a book on how not to start a church rather than how to start a church. I can tell you what not to do more than I can tell you of what to do. But what, what happened was as we began this church and, and as we began to do this, we discovered that people my age, back then I was in my late 20s, that people my age, that generation, that church was not doing a very good job of reaching the 20-somethings, the young families. In fact, I found out that all my friends didn't go to church. They had either, uh, they had either quit church out of college or got married and quit church or they were thinking about quitting church. And here's what we, did, we found out. And as, as we began to ask people and, and decided how or what kind of church we wanted to have, we began to ask people, hey, what, what kind of church or why are you quitting church or why have you stepped out of church? The number one reason was, 
And this was just our little surveys, but church was boring. Church was boring. Somehow, in the last few decades, or back then, in a few decades, we had taken the most exciting book in the world, the most life applicable, the most life-changing book with the best message in the world, and we had bored people with it. We were boring people with it every single Sunday. People were falling asleep in church. A lot of people, you know, it was just boring. I'm not going to church because it's just downright boring. Listen, if you fall asleep in this church, it's because you did way too much last night and stayed up way too late. It's not because we're boring you. So we found out that it was, that it was boring. Another thing is that we had, we were, you know, kids go to school every single day. So somehow or another, we decided that when kids wake up on Sunday morning, we were going to send them to another place on Sunday morning at church called school. Sunday school. Where are we going, Mom? We're going to Sunday school. And it felt like that. Now, I, I wish we'd have named it something else, and it was a great, at one time, that was a great idea. But for kids, 12 years old, going to Sunday school didn't sound too exciting. And then, you went to school, and you got there at Sunday school at 9 a.m., and from 9 a.m. until 10.50, or 9 a.m. until 9.50, for 50 minutes, you sat in rows, and you listened to somebody, you know, read from what was called a quarterly, or a little manual. They just read it. 50 minutes! It was, it was brutal when you were 12. As I got older, you know, it made a little bit more sense, and was a little more applicable, but for kids, you know, it was, it was rough. The second thing we found out of why people were quitting church was church was confusing. It didn't make a lot of sense. Pastors talked above, people head, above people's heads. They were out of touch with the real world. We use weird language in church. We call it, my son and I, we like to call it Christianese. We call the auditorium a sanctuary. You know, sanctuary is derived from the Old Testament. The Holy of Holies, the sanctuary. We're gonna call it the sanctuary. And people that don't go to church, there's nothing wrong with saying that. We still say it sometimes. But it doesn't make sense to somebody that doesn't go to church because when you think of sanctuary, they think of the, you know, the butterfly sanctuary. You know, I say, what are they, what are they keeping safe in the, in the auditorium? They, they got to call it a sanctuary. Think about this. Think about never going to church and somebody walking up to you and saying, uh, how are you, brother? Or did you guys go to church where everybody called everybody brother and sister? I did. I mean, it's just a part of what we did. Somebody asked me years later, hey, were you, are you related to everybody in church there? Brother, no, it's, a, it's a, a family of God thing. Don't worry about it. Just do it. That's what we did. You just did things that other Christians did. How about this? You know, things that we say and things that we sing, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Think about never being to church before and somebody and you up there singing, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are they killing sheep in the back? And are we going to bathe in Lamb's blood? And I, I, I'm exaggerating, and it's a, very, it's a song that's very dear to me, and I'm not making fun of my Christian roots, but we had to take a look at these things because for the first time, we were growing up in a generation of people that had never been in church, and that's what was happening. I found out that I was pastoring a church, and people were getting saved, and they had never been to church before, so I couldn't take for granted. as You know, you couldn't say the ark and the guy that was in it. You actually had to say the name Noah because they didn't know who Noah was. And then you talk about the three Hebrew children, and then there was a fourth man in there. And if you grew up in church, you knew that that fourth man that, that was in the fiery furnace, you knew that he was Jesus. But I actually had a lady walk up to me after church and said, hey, you talked about the fourth man in the fiery furnace, but she didn't tell us his name. 
So I had to think about that. Hey, we are actually talking to people and we are confusing people with what we're saying. The Bible translation was in Old English. Where else do you say thee and thou in our society except at church back then? These and thous and whithersoever. I love the King James Version. I love reading. It's so powerful. But it doesn't make sense to people that didn't grow up in church. And here's another thing. When we read from the King James Version, we would have to read it and then explain what the words mean. It was confusing. Number three, we found out people were quitting church because it was irrelevant. There were so many things that were old-fashioned. The decor in the church was three decades old, and we weren't changing it. It took an act of the board, you know, and they had emotional ties to the curtains on the walls. You just have to, did anybody grow up in, in, in you know, a conservative Pentecostal church? It was old-fashioned. We sat on pews. Do you anywhere in our society, in our culture, sit on a pew except in church? Think about going to a movie theater. This week, and you walk in and sitting in a pew with all the other people. You know, hey, man, scoot over. Scoot over. It'd be kind of weird. You know, but in church, that's just what we did. We sat on pews, and we didn't even get pads for the pews until the late 70s. Was anybody part of a church offering where we all decided we were going to put pads in the pews? We all took a church offering. Only me. I remember when we took offerings for the church. And, man, you were uptown first class if your church had pads on its pews. Man, it was hard stuff. It was, it, was, it, was, it was tough to go to church in those days. We sang songs that were decades, even hundreds of years old called hymns. And I love every one of them to this day. But we had to think beyond that and reaching people. And here's the, here's the biggest thing for me. The biggest pet peeve for me was everything in church was second, third class, or subpar. I mean, it was like the things that you had there was, well, if you couldn't sell it at a garage sale or give it away, we'll give it to the church. They can sure use it. And that was the mentality for every single thing in church. If you, uh, you remember, does any, has anybody here ever been a part of a church potluck dinner? Anybody ever? And, you know, when your church is small and you're kind of a family, that's cool. But as the church grows, you're not sure, you know. You know that guy, you were over to his house and he has six cats that stay in his house and he made the cake. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know, it's kind of a potluck. It's like, are you hungry? There's a pot. Good luck. <laughs> potluck dinners. I ate every one of them, I ate at them. Man, I, I loved them. The music quality was incredibly bad in church, we found out. Now, I grew up in my church, we grew up with a southern gospel. We had great music, but when we, I started going to other churches, every church that I experienced had terrible music. And I don't want to offend anybody. And these, this, these were churches that none of us went to, okay? The music was terrible. The singer couldn't sing. And the musicians played off beat. It's kind of like anybody that wanted to sing could get up there and sing if they were willing. In fact, I'd been in part of church services where they'd say, does anybody here have a song? I know that sounds crazy. I know that sounds crazy, but that's, that's something that, that people used to do decades ago in, in, in church. So people my age, they began to quit. Or else they considered church a huge sacrifice. What are you doing? I'm suffering for Jesus. How? I'm going to church this Sunday. You know what I'm saying? It was an endurance. And people looked at it as a sacrifice. 
And if you were raised Pentecost, the last place where you took your unsaved friend was church. Oh, Lord, please don't let sister so-and-so scream in church today. Oh, Lord, please don't let Jack run around the church today during church. That's the last place you'd take your girlfriend. And I know, I'm, I know I'm, I, this is a little bit controversial, but I remember going to church thinking, I don't know if I want to bring my girlfriend. She would think that we're all crazy. Well, the world is not going to like you. Well, the world's going to think you're crazy. Well, how are we going to get people saved if we can't get them in church? I began to think those things. As a kid, I would sit in church, and, and you know, I, I felt bad about thinking this. And I thought, maybe it's just me. Maybe, you know, I'm offending the Holy Spirit or something. But, man, that doesn't look right. I don't know. Are they doing that or is that God doing that? Because I really think that God doesn't have a whole lot to do with a lot of things that happen in church. Not an amen there. Check this out. The most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me happened at church. Moments like this, that bad things happened to me that affected my life. We have a name for them. You know what we call them? Travesties. Travesties. I don't know if you know what a travesty is, but it's something bad that happened to Pastor Travis that he uses for a message. See, it's a play on words. My name's Travis, but we get it? Travesty. All right. So it was 1986. I was a senior in high school. Yeah, 80s 80s was the last good decade. Everybody else, they don't know who they are. 80s, we were setting fashion trends. Where else are you going to get the mullet? You're going to roll up your collar and roll up your sport jacket sleeves and your uh, turquoise slacks. <laughs> I remember I was, uh, I was a, a senior in high school. That week, an article came out in, uh, in the uh, Oklahoma City newspaper, back when people read newspapers. And I was third in the state in rushing as a running back, get this, big time, class A football, 1A football, okay? But, you know, it was really cool for me. And then on top of that, you know, I'm sitting in church. I, I, was, I was looking kind of fly sitting in church because I just got my senior pictures taken. Did anybody get their senior pictures taken in the 80s? Hashtag glamour shots. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Your jacket over your shoulder. You know? You know what I'm saying? Collar up. Did anybody, am I the only person from the 80s here? So anyway, I was looking kind of fly with my gold chain on. A half inch gold chain. Woo! Sitting in church. Wednesday night. My grandma was up there preaching. Man, she was holy roller. Holy roller, big time. I mean, she was a tough German woman, Hearst, just whole nine yards. I mean, she could do it all. She could lead the worship. She could preach. And if you were acting up, she could usher you out. She could do all about that tall. And she was up there preaching. And it was kind of dead and dry. And just, you know, because, you know, not because of her, but because of me and some of us guys. Some of us, you know, we just got out of football practice and I just had my senior pictures taken. I was just sitting there and I was just sitting like this all by myself. A few guys on the end, I was sitting there listening to my grandma and I was just kind of waiting for it to be over with. And She was preaching from like the 23rd book of Psalms or something like that. And all of a sudden she goes, folks, I fear the Lord. I feel the Lord in this place. He's really moving. Travis, Whoa! get up and run around the church. And I was like, oh, she didn't just say that. Oh, she didn't just say that. 
I didn't hear that. So I continued to sit there. And she said, come on, Travis, let's get, let's get up going. We're going to get the Lord. We're going to get the spirit moving in here today. And I'm just like, oh. And she said, I am your grandma. I said, get up. So I'm like, oh. And I got up there. And just to set the mood, I want you guys to cheer and clap for me because this is what she told everybody to do. Come on, get going. Like, come on, folks, let's get in. Woo, come on, Travis, take another lap. Oh, gosh. That was probably the most embarrassing moment of my life. So I sat down there and <laughs> the next day at school, all my buddies were there. They were laughing at me during church. Next day at school, and this guy's teacher's up there talking. He goes, hey, Travis, we feel the Lord in the place here today. Why don't you get up and run around the classroom? It's like, shut up, man. It ain't funny. In church, it was, it was a lot of things. And I am so thankful for my Pentecostal upbringing. But I can tell you this. There were some things in church that needed to change if we were going to reach people. Here's the deal. As much as I love my church, that church was a family, and I remember leaving it. It broke my heart. God was leading me into another place. I don't know if there was like more than one person that got saved a year there. It was like we were all getting prayed through all the time. Am I making sense? Like we would repent of a lifestyle or something. And we would come to the altars and we would pray. And, 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 and man, we had a great time. I loved it. It was like, but I don't know if, uh, maybe on a, upon a, I, can, I remember like my high school years, maybe three people getting saved. And it was a big deal. But we, if, if God was going to reach people and there were really people that aren't saved, then some changes had to be made. So about 18 years ago, we began a different kind of church that evolved into something that you, what you experience right now. Now, we weren't just like this 18 years ago, but our, our idea and what we could imagine was something like this. I want to I tell you this. Sunday morning worships, and if you've been to Growth Track, we talk about this. Sunday morning worships, we decided it, they were going to be a celebration. It was going to be something that people could celebrate, and they would have fun. Hey, is it okay if we have church on Sunday mornings and have fun? Is it all right if we have fun here? Does church have to be a sacrifice and endurance, or can we actually have fun? Hey, can we have donuts and coffee? And Can we like, hey, I want to go to church today. Can it feel like that instead of, oh, man, I want to, do we have to go? It shouldn't feel like that. It should be a celebration. Second of all, our Sunday morning worship gatherings, we want it, we want it to be a place where people are inspired or it would be a place of inspiration, that people really experience God, that you really experience a real God, that you would feel something when you go to church. You would encounter a very real God, and then it would be a place of preparation. In other words, we want our Sunday morning worship services to be a place where you can walk away on Sunday and use it on Monday. We find out that, you know, church was something that would happen, that people would kind of check out and go to church and then get back to their lives on Monday. Well, that's not the way it should be. You should be able to use what you learn on Sunday on Monday. And lastly, our Sunday morning worship gatherings was a place where people experience salvation. I'm not doing this if people aren't getting saved. That's one thing when, I, when I, we decided to do this. I want this to be a place where people give their life to Christ. Hey, our first worship today, five people got saved. Isn't that awesome? It's incredible. 
and I know that that doesn't happen every single Sunday, and on occasion we'll give an invitation, and somebody might not get saved, but we're going to give the invitation every single Sunday, and what we're going to do is we're going to eliminate barriers. We're not going to have people walk the front, to the front of the church in front of everybody to give their life to Christ. We found out that that is people's greatest fear. Hey, we want you to give your life to Christ, but to do that, we're going to make you face your greatest fear. Come on down. You know what I'm saying? And I know that it's a tradition, and I'm not saying anything bad about that. I'm just talking about if we want people to get saved. Now, that's why we have baptism. For people to go public, that's why we have baptism. That's the point of baptism, to go public with your relationship with Christ. But we want people to experience salvation. So what we do and what we say from time to time, and this is what we're going to say today, is we've wrapped our values around the type of church that we want to have. And we say this from time to time. Number one, and this is one of our values, we are the church. We are the church. And here's how we say it. Church isn't a place we go. It is who we are. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the church. Look at your neighbor again and say, I am the church. It's not a place we go, it is, a, it is who we are. David, he wanted a place to worship a long time ago, 3,500 years ago. David wanted a place to worship the Lord, and he wrote this, Psalm 132. He says, I will not go home. I will not let myself rest. I will not let my eyes sleep or close my eyelids and slumber until I find a place to build a house for the Lord. He wanted a worship house for the Lord. But Jesus, he didn't necessarily, he wasn't too concerned about the house. He was concerned about something else. In Matthew 16 and 18, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He was not talking about a building. He was talking about a people. But they got it wrong. So Jesus walks up to the temple one day and they're, you know, they're, they're exchanging money and they're selling things in the temple and they're doing all of these things. And remember this story, Jesus sits down and he makes a whip and he drives everybody out and he turns over these tables. And then he says this, he says, he says, my house is a house of worship, it's a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves. He didn't care so much about the temple itself as much as he cared about how they were treating the people that were trying to get into the temple. They weren't allowed in to pray. They weren't allowed to worship because they couldn't afford the animals for the sacrifice. All these things were going on. You guys are getting it wrong. What makes the house special and what Jesus was so passionate about was the people. It wasn't the what, it was the who he had in mind. And a church is something special that Jesus began 2,000 years ago with his disciples. So I want you to look at that word. Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. David says, I'm going to build a house. Let's look at that word house. When Jesus says, my house is a house of worship or house of prayer, the Greek word for that and the Hebrew word, if you will, is bayith which means home and family. Home and family. When we talk about the house of the Lord within this context, his house, what we're saying is that church is a place, or church is our, first of all, church is our home. That's why we talk about you should have a home church. Why you should plant somewhere you should have a home. Church is a place that we call home. That's why we have this sign out here as you walk in. You might have seen it. It says, welcome home. Because you should feel home at church. In Psalm 92 and 13, it says, they are planted 
One translation says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. Planted. You got to plant in the home that God has given to you. I want you to think about that word plant. What is it to be planted? To be planted is to be taken from a temporal place and to be put in a fixed place. Think about a tree. If you were to go down to one of these Home Depot or, or Lowe's and to buy a tree, you can take that tree and you can put it in a corner of your house and you got to water it and put nutrients in it. But it will never grow until you take it out of that pot and you plant it in the ground somewhere. It's a tree. It's not meant for a pot. But when you plant it, it draws or it grows roots and the, root, the roots begin to grow and go deeper. It's, it has a tap root that goes deeper. And these roots, are what's under the surface, the roots are as great as what is above the surface. And as the roots grow, as they reach nutrients, as it intertwines into the grass and, or, in the, or in the dirt, it begins to grow and it becomes strengthened and it grows and it, it, and it flourishes only if it's planted A church is a home where you can experience being planted. When you're planted, you're secure. The Lord never meant for us to church hop and church shop. That's the way we think about this. Well, I'm going to try this church for this, and I'm going to try this church for that, and this church, and you know, we may go here for a while, we may go there for a while. And listen, wherever you decide, I hope that your, your church home is here, but if it's not, wherever you go, go there and plant. Are you with me? And develop roots because God has called you to grow spiritually, and you can't grow if you're uprooted all the time and go over here. I was talking to a, a man a few weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago, and he was looking for a church, and he had moved into the community. And I understand that when you move into the community, you might look around a little bit. But once you find the church that God has for you, plant, get your family there, and let your church or let your kids grow up and become rooted. Listen to me, it is very important that our kids develop a root system and grow spiritually before they hit college. Are you with me? How it happens is you plant, and for years you let God grow you. You experience home. That's how you're planted. Number two, church is a place where we experience family. That word house translates in the Hebrew to family. Not only home, but family. Church isn't just a place we call home. Church is a people we call home. Let me say that again. Church isn't just a place we call home. Church is a people we call home. That's why we want to be planted into a body because God doesn't have just a place for you. He has a people for you. Have you ever thought that to yourself? Have you ever been around or, or spent some time with some people in your life that you thought to yourself, these people feel like home? I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just drawn to this individual because it makes me feel, I feel like I'm related to them. That's the significance of being planted in a church. Have you ever been around people that you thought, man, these are my people? These are are our people. Have you ever said that to your spouse after hanging out with a couple? These are our people. How about this? Have you ever said this about some people that you've hung out with? These are not my people. (laughs) These are not my people. That happens sometimes. But when you feel it, when you feel that connection... That is a God thing. Psalm 68 and 6 says, God places the lonely in families. Can I ask you a question? Why would you go through life alone? 
Why would you ever face spiritual battles alone? Why would you just go through it, you and your wife or you and your kids? Why would you not be connected to a place that feels like home? Why would you not be connected to the family of God that God has placed you in? That's the point of home. Home is family, and God has given you a family. You know what, 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 what makes us family? My son's here with me today. I say that because my daughter's not. That, I mean, my son's always with me, but my daughter's in, in Europe. But any, anywhere that we go, the hurts are there because we're a family. Everywhere we go, the hearths are there. Everywhere you go, your family's there. It's not like that's a, you know, that house is the hearst house. It's that we're the hearths, and anywhere we go, that's where the hearths are. We had a restaurant the other day, and the waitress looked at us and said, you guys are father and son, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, why are you thinking? Because you guys, your mannerisms, the way you walk, the way you communicate, you guys are just alike. It's just, why? Because we're family. You know, God does the same thing in your spiritual family. God does something incredible in the lives of people when they, when, 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 when they become family. Proverbs tells us that there is a friend that is closer than a brother. How can there be a friend that's closer than a brother? When you are baptized into the body of Christ, something happens. There is a spiritual bond that takes place that is stronger than flesh and blood. Now, you've heard that said before. Maybe you say, well, blood is thicker than water. What you're saying is family ties are stronger than friend ties. It doesn't have to be that way. It's not supposed to be that way. There are people in this church that I've connected to over the past decade or so that are closer than my family, closer than my brothers and sisters because of the spiritual bond that takes place. When you are baptized into the body of Christ, and that was the significance of being baptized, it's a public proclamation of saying that I have joined the body of Christ, but when you are baptized into the body of Christ, you're baptized into the family of God. Your your father is God himself, and we all become brothers and sisters. And that is a spiritual bond that's thicker than a blood bond. That doesn't mean that you disown your your, your blood family. It's kind of like being married. There is a spiritual bond that takes place between husband and wife. God has ordained that. That yes, there is a physical body, but there is a spiritual body that is recognized in heaven that God has ordained. That, that what God has joined together, let no one separate, the scripture says. That's why husband and wife, they become closer than, than, than any other family member. Closer than you are with your father. Closer than you are with your brothers and sisters. There is a spiritual bond that takes place. And that is a gift that Jesus has given the church. That even though you don't have brothers and sisters, or even if you lose your, your father or your mother, or you lose people in your lives, you have a spiritual family that you don't have to suffer, or you don't have to go through life all alone. Amen? So when we have, a, when we have this house, we, or we have the church, we experience a family. And lastly, as a church, we experience his body. The church for us is the body of Christ. In Ephesians 1 and 23, it says, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. The church isn't a building. The church is a body. Now, you know, if you've done any construction in a church and you know how I am, I don't like to 
I don't like to trash talk the church building because if you've done any work on a church, you don't like it for when people say the church building doesn't mean anything. No, we, we worked on this thing. But that's not what we're talking about. It's, the church isn't this building. The church is his body. A body is a network of members that make up and, and, and that unite in order for a common purpose or a common goal. Your body is working together for the will of your mind. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 12, it references this. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Your body has many parts. Your body has individual parts, but they all do the will of the mind or the will of the head. Are you with me? That's what he's saying. Yes? Okay. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. So when we say you're the body of Christ, we all unite and we make up the will of of the Lord through the body of Christ. Verse 24 says this. So God has put the body together. God has put the body together such that extra honor and care is given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all of the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. When I was 11 years old, I had a motorcycle crash and I cut off my pinky toe. I mean, it was hanging by the bottom layer of skin. They had to bring that in and they had to sew up the inside and the outside. For two weeks, I couldn't get out of bed. And then, I mean, I mean, my pinky toe, the littlest piggy, all right, this big, this big, okay, put me in bed for two weeks, and for three months, I couldn't run. I limped. The whole body suffered because one part suffered. That's another significance of being part of the body of Christ, that, that we're in this thing together. I'm no good without you. You're no good without me. Yeah, I might be the most recognizable because I'm up here every single Sunday, but I'm not any more important than anybody here. And I mean that. I want you to realize that. Because if it was just about me, I would be up here preaching and nobody would be out there. What good is that? So it takes every single person. And if it's just about me, well, what happens with the kids that are in the back room? How important is it to have somebody in nursery, right? How important is that? Well, just bring a couple of those babies out here. Uh, bring, bring about a half a dozen babies out here. I'll show you how important it is. And the Bible says, and that's the way it's supposed to be, that, 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 that it, it doesn't matter if you're pinky or you're the thumb or you're the leg. Everybody is just as important. In fact, the Bible says that the body is so designed that those that seem to be small or insignificant are given actually more or special honor. Let me read the last verse here. It says this, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Look at this. All of you together are Christ's body. In other words, there is a a purpose and a calling that God has given the entire body. All of you together are the church of the Lord Jesus, okay? All of us together, all of you have a mission. We have a mission as a body. And that's, that's wonderful, but here's what makes it special. It's corporate but it's also individual, and each of you is a part of it. So it's, a, it's about mission, it's about corporate, but it's also about the individual. 
It's about what God wants to do all over the world in the lives of the entire church, but it's also about you. You make a difference. Every person is special. Everybody matters to God. Everybody's mission, everybody's, everybody is significant, everybody's calling. It makes a difference. You're, you're vital, you're important, you are special to the work of God, and when you hurt, we all hurt. When you suffer, we all suffer. And, it, and that's amazing that, that he's designed the body of Christ I want to close with this. In past times, and maybe you experienced this, the church might have been something that didn't make sense. Or maybe church view, it wasn't very relevant. Or maybe you got hurt at church. Something happened to you at church. My goal for you, my prayer for you, is that you experience church as being home it feels like home that's why we do this at Faith Go Church this is, this is what we're all about that, that you will experience when you walk through our doors and when you, when you come here and when you serve and that's why we, we want you to get connected and, and go through growth track and, and learn how to make a difference because we want you to be part of a family you don't just come here show up listen to the preaching, listen to the singing, and leave. And that's, it's not, if that's all you can deliver right now, that's okay. We'll take what we can get, but that's, that's not the end result. What we want you to do is we want you to experience home. Hey, it feels like home. We want you to experience family. We want you to look across the aisle, and as you're serving with other people, hey, that's my brother. That's my sister. And lastly, my, my goal and my prayer is that you experience being part of a body, his body. That as you connect to this, you're going to experience purpose like you've never experienced before. That when you're holding one of these babies or when you're serving in the parking lot or when you're serving on on the worship team or whatever, you're experiencing this like like never before you're experiencing, man, God has a, a point for my life. That's what a church is supposed to feel like. And if that's not what you've experienced, my friend, my prayer for you today is that's what you experience. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. Thank you for speaking to us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will talk to everybody and speak to everybody that's here in your own way, how you talk to people. And Lord, may we experience being a part of your church. May we experience home, family, and being a part of your body. Meet us wherever we are. And Lord, maybe there are people here that are a part of your church that they've given their lives to you, but they don't experience family here. They don't experience this sense of home. They're not a part. They don't feel like they're a part of something. Lord, may they take a step in your direction to get involved. Because that's the way we're designed. to build your church, to build your body. Speak to people today in the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed and nobody looking around, I want to I give one invitation. Maybe you can say, Travis, I'm not part of the body of Christ. I am not part of the Savior. I've never given my life to Christ. I've never asked Jesus to become and be Lord of my life. 
or maybe you're here and something happened to you in one of these experiences that I talked about, it's what you experienced. Once upon a time, you went to church, but you dropped out of it because, man, it just didn't make sense. It was confusing. Or maybe in some way, somebody said something to you that you thought, man, or somebody did something to you, you thought, I, I'm never going to be a part of a church. But God is speaking to you right now. See, it's not so much, you know, before you're going to be a part of the body of Christ, you got to get right with the Lord. That's the first step. And getting right with the Lord puts you in his family, a part of his home. So if that's you, you can say, Travis, I, Jesus is not Lord of my life for whatever reason. Maybe you don't even know and you want to know. As we always do, we'll say a prayer here in just a second. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come down here. I'm not going to single you out. Nothing like that. We'll just all pray. And you can ask the Lord to be Lord and Savior of your life right where you sit. But I'd like to know if people are going to do that. Just so I know I'm praying for people. I know people are serious. So with nobody looking around between you, me, and God, you can say, Travis, if you'll pray that prayer, I'm going to give my life to Christ right now. Real quickly, put your hand up and put it down so I know I'm praying for somebody. Anybody say that? I just wait a few moments and then we're going to move on. But if that's you and you're serious, let me know and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for those that are here. I trust we all live and serve you. But if not, I pray, I pray, God, that, that we give our lives to you. Lord, I pray that that this is always a soul-winning church, and thank you for Faith Code Church, that people give their lives to you. I pray, Lord, that we, we reach out to our friends in our community and we bring those that don't know you to church. And also, Lord, I pray that we live this. We live this gospel in front of the people around us to affect them, Lord, that people will come to Christ as a result of our lives. In the name of Jesus, thank you for the word that has gone forth. And thank you for the way, Lord, that you're going to bring change to our lives as we talk about our story. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Come on, God, let's worship the Lord for our